0: Welcome to the new Dachshund of Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Dachshund of Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co hosts Dr. Audrey Barria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Barria. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Dox in of Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be with you today. And- Delighted to have our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barriott, with us again. She has been traveling the world and has not been with us for the last couple of weeks, and we're delighted to have her back. Dr. Barry is Associate Medical Director for WellMed Medical Management. She's been part of the WellMed family for a little over six years and currently a provider at the WellMed at Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. And what she loves to do when she's not playing doctor You spend time with her family, travel, photography. She lives in Tampa, Florida, been married for 22 years, has a teenage daughter and a whole bunch of dogs. And that's one of the neat things about her. Uh, By the way, uh, Dr. Baria uh, attended Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned her medical degree, completed her residency, and an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. Dr. Bari is board certified in family medicine, which she will readily admit she loves. Hey Audrey, great to have you back.
1: Ron, it's so wonderful to be back. I have to tell you, I felt like I was missing something for the past month that I didn't do the show.
0: What were you doing? Were you down in Guantanamo Bay or what?
1: (laughs) No, we actually took our daughter to Scotland because she started at the University of Edinburgh. And uh, so that was September and then some more traveling in October.
0: Scotland, I've never been there, but it's supposedly what beautiful, beautiful country.
1: It definitely is. And I'm actually going back on Sunday to spend Thanksgiving with her. So I'm hoping to get to see more of the countryside.
0: How did she end up at the University of Edinburgh and why?
1: She wanted to go to NYU Shanghai. And we said, you know what? Scotland sounds like a better option right now. <laughs>
0: And she's enjoying it so far?
1: So far, although I think that there's a little bit of homesickness going on. So she's looking forward to my visit, so.
0: Well, that's pretty neat. Now we're gonna talk today about a topic that I know you are very familiar with, and that's what you ought to know about your family health history and why that's important. And delighted to reconnect with Dr. Carol Stewart Francisco. Uh, Dr. Francisco is a physician at Wellman at Longwood in Longwood, Florida earned her medical degree from Howard University in Washington, D.C., completed her internal medicine residency at North Shore University Hospital on Long Island. And Dr. Stuart Francisco is board certified in family medicine. And Carol, it's great to talk with you again. Years ago, we did a show down in Florida, and you were a frequent guest, so nice to have you on again.
2: Great being back. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Talk to us a, a little bit about Uh, why family history, medical history, is so important.
2: Well, you know, family medical history is very, very important in our guiding ourselves in the way of, you know, treating certain diseases and also prevention of certain diseases. Chronic diseases are long-term diseases, and we're probably familiar with things like hypertension, diabetes, even depression and dementia. These are some very uh, important diseases that you know cost the United States millions of dollars annually in you know lost work and it can be very disrupting to our lifestyles. And knowing you know the history of these diseases within our families can help us to get to the root cause of certain problems that we might be having that might seem mysterious to us or you know we seem to not understand why we're going through certain things. But knowing the history can help us to work at resolving or even not necessarily resolving, but even controlling these things very well.
0: And I think one of the issues, of course, is very often parents are pretty closed mouth about letting their kids know their medical history and their medical challenges. What do you recommend that uh, once you're old enough uh, as a youngster uh, to ask your parents and put together a list of both family medical history and their own personal history?
2: Well, you know, coming, we're coming up to the holidays and a lot of families will be together, you know, and so this is a good time to sit down with some of the older members in your family and find out, you know, what did grandpa die of or what does grandma have, you know, certain illnesses that you might see in your family. Sometimes, you know in the older generation they might not be too quick to share these things they didn't talk about it as freely as we do now so we have to respect the wishes of our family members but at the same time try to explain to them try to educate as well the importance of their sharing this history with us and 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 helping us to be able to impart this history to our family doctors so that they can work together with us in looking at our risk for certain things you know asking about things like blood pressure problems, asking about things, you know, uh, you know, morbid uh, obesity, vascular disease. Those are a lot of things that you see run in families. And if we know about it, it can help us, you know, to give more information to the doctors who are providing us care.
0: I'm going to jump to Dr. Baria in a moment, but for those who may have just joined us, you're listening to Docs in a Pod. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Audrey Barria, our co-host. We're talking today about why it's important to know your family's medical and health history. And Dr. Barrio, you're in a unique position, as as is Dr. Stewart Francisco, because most of your patients are older, Medicare eligible, 65 and, and, and above. You're in a position to encourage them to share their medical history with their children.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I try to impress upon my patients is that Cancer histories, people don't wanna talk about cancer because it's a taboo subject, but it's very, very important, especially if it's a female or a male because breast cancer can happen in either one. But if you're at a younger age and um, your family member, first degree family member was diagnosed with breast cancer, that, that is a very important piece of information that we need to know. And the same thing with colon cancer because the guidelines are that 10 years before the first degree relative was diagnosed is when the screening should start for instance if your parent was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 50 you would start getting screened at the age of 40. um and same thing also with heart disease and when i say heart disease i'm talking about heart attacks if you were a young person who had a heart attack that is something that is definitely something that the family needs to know about
0: and other issues of course diabetes being one both type one and type two uh and and i i'm wondering dr uh uh stewart francisco for those who are adopted this is a special challenge
2: oh definitely so that that you know that can be very challenging. It will be very difficult for someone who's adopted to know their family history. Uh, some people who can't afford it will possibly get genetic type screenings to see what they have, which can sometimes provide a little light. But for the, the rest of those who are not in that situation, you know, collecting the family history can start, you know with making sure you know, you know, both sides of the family. Sometimes you might be closer to one side than the other. But both sides very important. Some people thought, you know, just knowing the maternal history of breast cancer was enough. But no, you have to also know your dad's side. You know, there might be several women on the, on your father's side who've had breast cancer. And That's so, a that nasty little was, Y chromosome, <laughs> <laughs> right? Masked stuff, yeah. But it's still there. So sharing both both sides of the family's uh, history is important, and then trying to update. The health history, as you go along, you might get alerted to a new diagnosis, a new event in a family, and trying to update that history uh, when you can is also important. As you take a look at uh, this
0: kind of issue, do you bring it up with your patients when you first start seeing them?
2: Oh, definitely. That is a part of the discussion when we're taking that history in the initial interview you want to know a little bit about the patient themselves their personal history and then you want to ask them you know you, you follow the path you know father's history mother's history any anything with your brothers or your sisters you know and then you can connect the dots and see what in in their history might correlate with something that you're finding is happening to them presently uh, it can paint a bit a better picture for you so you can know what to do next
0: and that how forthcoming are your patients? with that information.
1: You know, it's ironic. Some patients want to tell you everything down to what they had for breakfast, and other patients want to hide everything. Mm -hmm. And it's (laughs) like pulling teeth to try to get them to open up and divulge, if you will. And they feel like it's an intrusion. But I think what I found is when you're upfront with them and explain to them why it's so important for us to find out the family history, then they're more forthcoming with the information.
0: And for the children and the grandchildren, uh, it's equally important for them to get that information. Absolutely. But with HIPAA, you can't tell them unless you have permission.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the things that I do a pretty decent job of is encouraging my patients to share any pertinent information that they've given me and try to encourage them to share it with their family members.
0: No, I heard Dr. Go ahead, Dr. Stewart.
2: Yes. And, you know, sometimes when kids are little, you know, people don't think that chronic diseases are important at that time. But knowing what's going on in the family can make you keen on signs that a child might be showing that they're at high risk for developing certain things later on. And so it it helps us to prevent the development of chronic diseases, you know, and you can start early in life to train how to, what type of diet you know, you should be following, what type of lifestyle you should be following, what are things to avoid, you know, like the plague, if you have a certain risk for something. So knowing, you know, can help our children as well.
0: When you say chronic diseases, what which diseases are you referring to?
2: For children, even um, diabetes, you know, type 2 diabetes, uh, and it's linked even to, you know, being... A, severely obese, you know, knowing, you know, how to curtail a child's diet so that they don't go over into diabetes. You know, if your child has a propensity for a lot of sweets and <laughs> and high carbs, you know, educating yourself as a family so the family can eat a certain way and prevent going, you know, into a, a path of, of, di- of diabetes or even hypertension, that type of thing.
0: You know, it's interesting thinking about it. We do an A1C blood test on adults to determine whether they're at risk for diabetes. Do we do that for children?
2: It's not routinely done for children, but if the child has um, developed any sort of illness that will require us to test for it, it will be done as well. But it's not a routine thing that's done. So Dr. Baria, uh, share with us, uh,
0: doctor uh, Stuart Stewart-Francisco mentioned some of the diseases you should be concerned about if your parents had them and I'd love to go through them, and, and and one that scares the bejeebers out of everybody is dementia. Do we know how dementia is passed genetically or or not?
1: I think that's the greatest debate, isn't it? Right. And so there's studies out there that have been conducted over the course of many, many years, and there is some linkage depending on what kind of Alzheimer's and onset, and you know there are various different types of dementias. So it's things that we're still keeping an eye on and trying to make heads or tails of. But that's where it becomes very important to know uh, from a family history standpoint, whom in the family did have dementia or what were they calling that dementia if they have that kind of information.
0: All right, now stay with me just a minute. We're gonna do a little business at our end, come back to you. And Dr. Carol Stewart-Francisco as well. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barra, is with us. We're delighted to have you on board. Docs in a Pod. so pleased you are sticking with us right here on Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. I'd like to share with you and wish a warm welcome to the newest Texas clinics to join the growing WellMed family. WellMed at McCracken in Cyprus. WellMed at Alameda in Corpus Christi. WellMed at Katy in Katy. WellMed at Memorial City in Houston. WellMed at Richardson in Richardson and WellMed at Reed in Perland. We also extend a warm welcome to the newest Florida clinics To join the growing WellMed family. WellMed at holiday, oddly enough, in holiday. WellMed at the villages, in the villages. These clinics join WellMed's network of more than 16,000 doctors' offices in Texas and Florida. And welcome aboard. We're talking about family health history and what you ought to know and what you shouldn't know. And I think, as I think about this, uh, Dr. Stuart Francisco, is there a checklist that uh, kids can use kids, meaning adult children, perhaps of, mm-hmm. of of aging parents. Is there a checklist we ought to put together uh, on what you should know about their health history?
2: So definitely, um, some of the major diseases that affects us, um, you know, we're screened routinely for that uh, in a healthcare setting, and you know there are certain things that the doctor will ask you off the bat during an initial visit screenings for, if you go from head down, you know, vision, there's glaucoma that runs in families. They'll ask you about the family health history on that Uh, breast cancer history. um, If there's any for both men and women, colorectal cancer history uh, for the family, um, heart disease, and also, um, things like, you know, strokes. Uh, then you have uh, dementia, which, you know, everybody's familiar with Alzheimer's, but there are other types of dementia that can exist. Um, So, no, you know, knowing these major types of illnesses and but when you're at, speaking to your family members, finding out, you know, what are the... The stories in our family about, you know, things, events that happened, or uh, sicknesses, you know, that maybe affected multiple family members. Putting the information down on paper and and sharing it with each other, and also bringing it to you on your family, um, doctor's visits. Those are some things that you can do to kind of uh, screen and prevent chronic illnesses.
0: You know, I can remember Dr. Barry when I first went to a physician at WellMed, They asked you the question. Is there a history in your family of X, Y, Z, etc.? And uh, I didn't really know. My folks never really shared any medical conditions they may have had growing up until they were at advanced ages. And so, as you know, children of aging parents, I had some idea. I knew my grandmother, for example, on my mother's side, uh, had had diabetes. I wasn't sure whether it was type one juvenile diabetes or. Adult onset uh, diabetes type 2. I didn't know uh, if she had a heart condition. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and it's frustrating not knowing. How do you fill those gaps in?
1: It, it, it can be difficult. And again, I think the only thing we can do is encourage the sharing of information amongst family members and try to impress upon the patients so that they can understand to share the information with their loved ones. And it is, I think. I think it's scary to some point with um, our elderly patient population, because that's not the generation that they grew up in. And, you know, everybody was very closed-lipped and didn't want to share this because this was private business and nobody needed to know about it. But I think once we explain to them why it's so important for the next generation to know, they do get it. Again, the encouragement helps.
0: And there are some diseases that may specific in a family that are uh, 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 truly passed on genetically that you need to worry mm-hmm. about? I was thinking, for example, of Huntington's disease.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And that, you know, is very disabling. And so knowing ahead of time can help you to also make what we call, you know, preparations or advanced directives uh, for whenever you start showing signs of that, you know what to do next, the healthcare community that you're dealing with knows what to do next based on, you know, the history of that disease in the family. And you're able to also know when to go and probably have genetic screenings done for yourself and your children so you can prepare uh, because some diseases are more disabling than others. Um, there are tools you can find too online at the CDC site. You there, uh, my family health portrait. It kind of guides you through taking your family history. And, um, you know, CDC has a lot of information for families if they want to know some that's of the, the ways Center
0: for they- Disease Control.
2: Yes, Center for Disease Control. Yes, that's it. Uh,
0: and what about ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease? That's a disease. I mean, there are a lot of diseases I don't want. That's at the top of the list. Is that genetically linked as well?
2: Yes that that also runs in families and um, that itself is very disabling. We know it's a paralysis that takes place right and and eventually the entire body is involved and major organs like your lungs stop being able to function because of it and 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 people end up dying from from these diseases. So you know knowing that it exists and if you start to show signs of it knowing knowing how to prepare yourself for the long run is definitely. Yeah, I
0: mean it's only it's your brain that goes last so yes. your mind is active exactly. but you lose you lose everything else.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: When you say prepare yourself you mentioned advanced directive uh, what should be in that?
2: So the advanced directive is um going to be a document. Some people have uh lawyers do this with them or they might they might do it informally and have it signed you know by a notary public. But this t- tells who the person is that you want to speak for you, if you're unable to do it for yourself. And it also outlines certain uh, medical procedures that you're willing to accept, others that you're not. Um, And it also outlines, you know, whether or not you want to have life uh, saving measures taken long term for you or not. So everybody has their choices with this. And the only way the medical community is going to know what you want is if it's Written in in the form of an advanced directive before the emergency occurs, it's it's when you say it and in a timely fashion, plan these things, write it down, discuss it with family members. If something should happen in which you can't make decisions for yourself or there has to be you know decisions made, it will already be there, and no one will be feel pressured or feel as if they're going against your will in doing something because you've already dictated what you want done.
0: Now, this is anecdotal, but uh, many folks have said to me, uh, Dr. Bari and, and Dr. Stewart-Francisco, that uh, very often on those kind of medical directives, giving a uh, power of medical decisions uh, to your wife or a loved one may not be as effective because they very often uh, want to keep you alive, unless they don't <laughs> like you. And so they may not follow what you had wanted them to follow.
2: If you had a That's DNR, funny. do
0: not resuscitate, for example, you know, he or she may say, no, 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 keep him going.
1: <laughs> but that's why it's very important to have these conversations when you're still of sound mind and body, and therefore your family members or your loved ones know what your wishes are so that they can carry out. And it is going to come down to putting aside what their personal feelings are and realizing that they're trying to respect your wishes. So it's very important.
0: It's interesting, and, and then this seems silly, but it's like a will. Where, where do you put it uh, so that someone can find it when you no longer, for example, can communicate? Uh, how do you know where that uh, advanced directive is, that actual document? What do you recommend?
2: So I always have my patients give me a copy. They keep the original for themselves, and then they can also make copies and have it uh, dispersed to whoever in the family they trust with this information. And I tell them, put it in a prominent place at home. If you live alone, make sure it's either on the, the table in the kitchen or in the refrigerator or something. If 911 has to be called and they come, they can see it. And Or some people keep it in, in a wallet on their person. But you know where it needs to be where someone can have access to it. And your doctor needs to have a copy as well.
0: And that solves the problem of not having it when you need it.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
0: We got about two minutes left, and before we lose time, uh, what haven't we covered, uh, Dr. Stewart?
2: So, also in family history, I just want to mention, too, people, you know, sometimes knowing ethnicity, place of birth, Maybe things that you could have been exposed to environmentally is very important as well in the family history. So that can show your predisposition to certain maybe genetic diseases or environmental diseases. So that's also a part of of what should be included in the discussion. And Dr. Baria?
1: Nope, I agree with everything that Dr. Stewart Francisco said. I think the only other thing that I would add is, is if there's anything pertinent that happened during um, pregnancy, because mm, that yes. could also have an impact on the patient. Like what? Well, for one thing, gestational diabetes for the mother uh, can turn into diabetes later on in life for the mother, so that if um let's say my mom had gestinal gestational diabetes, I can expect that later on in life for her, she could become a diabetic.
0: Interesting. Well, we gotta stop you right there, both of you. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate Dr. Carol Stewart. Francisco with us or Dr. Audrey Barria. Hi. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dr. Stewart. Thanks for joining thank us on Docs in a Pie. Executive producers for Docks in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Docks in a Pod presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Docks in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.